Back for more with Florence Store, DaleWileyShow.com. Having a little technical difficulty this morning. All right. <laughs> so I want to start by talking about how we first got connected, and that was through Miles yes. of Music. Oh, Miles of Music. That's right. Is that how you first heard? I don't know that it I knew that, is. Dale. That's how you first heard of me um, yes. because I had uh, my single Christmas on right. – on a compilation that they put out. That's right. Yeah, and but then actually they called me and specifically mentioned how good an album you had, and that's when I decided to release the whole, the whole album. That's right, and I was so excited because I had put the album out myself, uh-huh. and you know how these things go. They have a life. <laughs> you put time and effort and money into it, and it was like, Absolutely. okay, well, that was fine. And then, yeah, you contacted me and were like, do you want right. us to re-release it on our label? And, yeah. you know, here's some advertising we can do. And you sent oh, me yeah. to Merle Fest. What was the fest? Not Merle Fest. The one in Missouri. Well, the festival. We did, that- we did South by Southwest. I know that. We did South by Southwest. I played like five shows there. That was really fun. <laughs> and then it was a really crazy weekend. But then there was, you sent me to some place, in, to a festival in St. Louis, too. Oh, did I? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, um, I can't oh, remember. Exactly. Right, Twang Fest. That was right. really fun. I went there with Neil Cleary. <laughs> yep, that was a long yeah. time ago. That's he had a great really record, too. I only saw you in Austin at South by Southwest. That's the only time we've actually met in person, yes. right? But I feel like we've known each other for so long. I know, I know. Because not only do we have the all the stuff around music, but you're also a lord of letters, shall we say. <laughs> That's right, and we're friends <laughs> with, uh, we have a mutual friend in Nicholas Danes. Yes, we do, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And so, you know, it's just so much fun to hear about all the stuff that you do because Aww. when you think about it, you know, and on on the podcast and everything else, we know so many people in common. We like really Oxford do. And everything else. It's just yeah. really interesting to see all, all this stuff. And, yeah. of course, you also referred me multiple guests, including Libby. Oh, yeah, she's the best. I loved that podcast you did with Libby. <laughs> yes. She's actually no. on my record. I, mean, I know that. That's why yeah. I mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, we've just uh, recorded a single, and she added her distinctive flavor with uh-huh. her um, with her violins slash fiddle. It's hard to know what to call them, fiddle or violin. And you ask right. her, and she'll say, do I have to decide? <laughs> um, but, yeah, she's just got such a, a really great ear and such a wonderful uh a wonderful thing going on. So it's great to have her. And she's a really great singer, too, so she's singing and on also, the record as well. You met her at UNC, is that right? She was my student, yeah, but it wasn't a songwriting class. I do teach songwriting, but she was in just a regular American lit class, 20th century American literature, and she was one of the best students I've ever she had here. very smart. I mean, she was my, really good. She's really smart and she wrote great <laughs> papers and I think she told this story on your podcast from my point of view it was uh, this brilliant student and I never recommend that people go to grad school because it's just racket basically and <laughs> no jobs and so but I was like man maybe you should think about it you're so talented she's like now nah, I'm going on tour <laughs> good for you 
Um, okay. But I didn't know who Mipsa was then, so, but now, of course, I do. Yes, definitely. And so let's talk first about, you know, how was your academic career associated? How did it get started and all that? I mean, I just was interested in literature and craft, the craft of literature and the aesthetic that it was able to produce and the effects of that aesthetic on me as a human teenager. Uh, uh, and so that just eventually led to, you know, I was in a band in Boston and applied to graduate school and kept doing both of those things, uh, studying literature and writing songs and listening to songs and going to clubs and stuff. So right. there were overlapped those two careers for me for a long time. <laughs> so I had a baby and then, <laughs> and then I really couldn't do it all anymore. Uh -huh. Well, where did you go to school? Uh, well, as an undergraduate, I went to Wesleyan in Connecticut, and as a grad student, I went to University of California at Berkeley. Really? You've all mm -hmm. around the globe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, not only Nicholas James, but we've got Sam Boyd, we've got so many people that we have at least had some contact with. And mm -hmm. so I, just, I love talking about all the stuff that you've done in your real career. <laughs> oh. What do you call that? How would you describe it? You mean my music or my academic? No, no, whatever. What is your real career? Tell me that. What's my real career? Yeah. Uh, being human being. <laughs> but well, the way that I make, the way that I have made a living is as a professor. Yes. And that's a wonderful thing to just think about that being, what I think is less of your passion than music. What's that? Is that less or more of your passion than music? Oh, it's it's all the same, really. Um, the music is a, a better way to, uh, or the, the academia is a better way to, you know, I get to draw a salary there, so that's good. Right. <laughs> and music's a little more insecure. But, yes. Um, uh, but but both, I'm very passionate about both. I considered quitting academia to move to New York after my first record and keep on playing music. Um, but I had a book I wanted to write, and so right. and I was very passionate about it, so I did it. And it's really good. In the last years, when I was writing my second book, uh, which we talked about a little last time we were on right. um, together is uh, about the two, right? So I, I talked about um, literature and uh, music and rock and roll in the 1950s in that book. So that was really fun to get to listen to music again, but in a different way. Um, right. And as I wrote that book and started listening to music again and kind of putting together the history of rock and roll through the 20s and 30s, and then even through the 50s and beyond, um, I started being drawn back into the craft and being like, you know, I interviewed Richard Thompson and Grill Marcus and Steve wow. Earle. I've been on the, you know, Steve Earle's bus a lot because Will played in his band. My husband was right. Steve's drummer for years, as you know. Um, yeah, I just was like, okay, my daughter was, I guess, 14. And I was like, I can do this again. My book was out. <laughs> so I just carved out four or five months to only write songs and it just kind of went from there. So now I'm making the second record, Highways and Rocket well, Ships. And that was the one that you talked about on that very interesting video. And so uh -huh. tell me about the quarantine recording project. 
Absolutely. Uh, so, like other musicians, the pandemic right. stopped us in our tracks. I had right. written the songs. I was ready to tour and had the band um, out on the road. And our last gig was March 7th. We went into the studio with Don Dixon and Mitch Easter on the 8th of March. Mm-hmm. And then literally the next week was when people in the States were coming to terms with the fact that life wasn't going to be able to go on as right. we had been. And so, I mean, I'm just really thankful that my gig on March 7th wasn't a super spreader, which it could have been. Um, so we just, because people came from out of town for that show, people flew right. and it was a packed room and everything. So um, anyway, so then everything shut down and I, I don't know, it was pretty much immediately that I decided to record a song by Marshall Crenshaw somewhere down the line. Right. Uh, Peter Holzapple had been kind of offering suggestions. He was in, on the tour and he's played on a couple of the um, songs on the record. And wow. he was he was kind of giving me suggestions on cover songs. I ended up not using them for that tour, but one of them that he had suggested was Somewhere Down the Line by Crenshaw, and I, I just really wanted to record it. And so we did. We, we did it in quarantine. Um, I was able to you know, spend quite a bit of time on the phone with somebody named FJ, a really sweet guy around here, bass player, <laughs> uh, and having him show me how to, it's not really even that complicated, but record Will's drums. Um, oh, which yeah. I actually, I did with just two mics. So Peter loaned us some stands. We did everything safely, um, you know, left them on the porch and we wiped them down and all that. <laughs> and then we, uh, I just mic'd his drums from above and one in the kick drum. Anyway, so learned about some recording techniques and um, recorded that song. Uh, and the guys, two of the guys in my band live in New York. Jeremy Chatsky uh, is the bass player and he played right. with, you know, he's played with Bruce Springsteen and Ronnie Spector and all kinds of people. Wow. And then Mark Spencer, who is actually in Sunvolt, he's an yes. old friend of ours. Um, so North, the two of them. Lost connections. And that's right, he does, yes. He does. Um, but he and Jeremy just recorded their tracks along t- with the tracks that Peter and Will and I had laid down. And uh, we sent them all to to Don Dixon in Ohio, and he mixed them all. And so then we had this song, and it was like, well, what do we do with it? And so that's that's the genesis of um, Cover Charge, which was a project I worked on with these right. guys locally. Uh, Steve Balcom and Lane Worcester have a business called the Splinter Group, and they do a lot of stuff for the Kratz Cat's Cradle and a lot of stuff for local charities. They're an ad firm, but they used to run a record label. So oh, wow. they, they um, and then they brought in a friend of theirs, a lawyer, an entertainment lawyer named Sean Nolan, and the four of us created Cover Charge, wow. uh, which was a uh, record. Oh, Cover Charge is great. It raised a bunch of money for the Cat's Cradle. It was a benefit record, and we had Super Chunk and His Golden Messenger. His Golden Messenger just uh, got nominated for a Grammy, as did wow. uh, Steep Canyon Rangers. They're on the record, too. It's really great. So so my song got, appeared on there. I got brought in Libby. Um, that's 
uh, she actually helped me sort of conceptualize the project in some ways. Wow. Um, we had been chatting um, about music prior to it, um, and uh, she's just a really good person. And then I also brought in a student from my songwriting class named Faith Jones, who already had sung on Chris Damey's record. So Chris Damey put together uh, the music uh, for her to do this wonderful cover of For What It's Worth. Um, and so that, that, that's been great. And she's made a video about that. And, um, so, so yeah, so that was a very wonderful project. It kept us all sort of focused and sustained for many months after the, uh, pandemics sort of hit. And then, you know, that behind us, uh, and did a good thing for the cradle. So felt happy about that. And then kind of want to return to my, um, my record you know, and so right. had put that on hold, but had learned that uh, we can record in quarantine. And so uh, deci- we decided, I decided I wanted to just move forward. So we're doing it. Um, it's coming out on a label here called Daniel 13. And okay. uh, so, yeah, so we, we've done a single, another different single from the one we did, because um, I have a single called Signs of Life that, feels more appropriate to the pandemic um, <laughs> right? and just to the world. I mean, we have a glimmer of hope now, but, but it was feeling pretty um, concerning and just devastating for many months, <laughs> right. many years. So especially in the pandemic though. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, we're moving forward and I have this Indiegogo campaign. Florence, after a minute, DaleWileyShow.com. Do you love music? Do you know about the musical map of Missouri? Dallas Wayne, Chuck Berry, Dave Alvin, Robbie Fultz, The Skeletons, The Ozark Mountain Daredevils, Uncle Tupelo, Wayne Carson, Nellie, Lou Whitney, Symptoms Morel, In City, Jeff City, St. Louis, St. Joe, Columbia, Buckle of the Bible Belt, the Studio on South Avenue in Springfield, 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 Missouri. Add the Missouri Music Podcast to your list of favorites. Lawyer, author, and Slewfoot Records label owner Dale Wiley takes you on a musical trip around Missouri while raising funds for Musical Map of Missouri, a nonprofit organization which will help ensure Missouri musicians affected by COVID-19. Visit MissouriMusicPodcast.com for more information. Tune in to the Missouri Music Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Back with Florence Store, DaleWileyShow.com. Um, and for that, Ken Stringfellow and I did a version of my song Christmas. Wow. Which, yeah. Uh, so Ken is in the posies. He was in REM. As He's your like listeners. on Monday on the podcast. So. You're kidding. He, you're going to talk oh, to him this coming Monday. <laughs> oh, you have to tell him I said hi. Well, well uh, he's. He's the best, man. Um, and has suppose he's recorded a version of my song uh, in 1994 for a really? Geffen release called Just Say No Well. Wow. Yep. So they had covered Christmas, and Ken has been doing it for years um, when he goes and does solo shows. Right. And um, so he and I have recorded a quarantine version of it just as, as a duet 
And right. it's my favorite version now of the song. <laughs> uh, again, Dixon is, is my producer at this point. So he produced it. It sounds great. Ken played a bunch of instruments. Um, and so he did it for the campaign. We'll, we'll look at releasing it next year. Really? Uh, but for now, you can only get it uh, as part of my Indiegogo campaign. Right. So I'm raising I'm raising funds to help back the the project to back the record highways and rocket ships, yes. and um, actually I will tell you your listeners a couple things. Mm-hmm. Just look up Ken Stringfellow and Florence Door on YouTube, and you'll find our version of Christmas. <laughs> but you can also go to my face. Well, why don't you go to my um, my website is florencedoormusic.com. So right. F you know, like Florence D O R E music uh, dot com, and that'll show you how to get to the Indiegogo. Um, you can also just search Florence Door at Indiegogo. You know, just to search that on Google, and it'll take you to it'll take you to my my campaign. Or you can yeah. be my friend on yeah. on Facebook, um, and you can see how the and like you can go to Florence Door Music on Facebook and like it, and then you can see how to get. In there, and it's exciting because um, you buy a koozie. You need to get you a Florence Door koozie, but yeah, perhaps yeah. more interesting to your listeners <laughs> is that you can you can get a John Langford T-shirt. He's designed wow. the cover for the album, and yes, it's, it's totally so awesome. Thing, so. Yeah, he's, well, he's great, um, and he's a good friend of the owner of Daniel Thirteen, and so. Uh, he, I was so excited that he agreed to do the cover for the record, and yeah. so now you can get a T-shirt um, uh, that he designed, uh, and posters, and and you can pre-order the record, um, and you can also get a copy of uh, the single that Ken and I did, Christmas, as right. part of that, as one of the perks, and that's the only way to get it right now. So I hope your listeners will consider backing the record. We'd love to. Yeah. Have them be part of things. Um, I do feel like it's, you know, in the pandemic, the music, uh, making music is kind of, even virtual music is a way for people to connect. Oh, yeah. And it's been really, like, sustaining to be able to connect with people that way. And so, also, you mentioned someone to be in a group called The Sweaters, and they're from Columbia. Yes. So tell me all about them. I don't know a ton about them. They just their dad is a, a friend of mine. I met him at a conference. He's an academic. He teaches at right. the University of Missouri there. And at some point, I became aware on social media that his sons have a, they're in high school and they have a band called The Sweaters. And so I was just listening to it, and they have a new record out, and it's great. It's really good. They've got some jangly '80s influence, and I find that really <laughs> heartening because they are. 15 or so, he'll tell you exactly how old they are but they are in wow. high school so I'm I find it just and it's I find this in my songwriting classes too right um it's just so heartening to meet uh young people who are still interested in good pop music and good right. rock and roll music uh so uh they they seem to fit that bill and they're good how is it how is it different being a f- professor i mean how mm-hmm. do you see the scene yeah. developing now, and what is the future for music? Yes. Um, I mean, actually, that is why I reconnected with Libby 
because right. she's pretty young and she and I started making this record and had written these songs and I wanted to talk to somebody in her generation about how they go about promoting themselves, what has been successful and all right. of those things and uh and just what it is like and she's done a wonderful job. She and her band have done just really well um right. in in uh, in managing their band, and so, and now they have a, a release on Rounder Records. But they, right. but she was very deliberate about not getting signed before that. She wanted to, they wanted to. You can have to ask her about it, but it seemed like they wanted to put the stuff out themselves and okay. retain some control. And you can do that these days. So, right. you know, so I think of her as the future. Um, you know, she's just really savvy and I, I mean I think I guess you have to throw the pandemic in there now when you talk about music's future yes. I, I, right so but I you know live music can't happen now but it will again it already actually has been safely to some extent people I, in my songwriting class for example the whole class was held online which you know really put a damper on a lot of the activities sure. that we normally engage in but for our final concert, we there's a wonderful, beautiful theater at UNC called the Forest Theater. It's this kind of Stonehenge-looking thing <laughs> outdoors, and we got permission to use it from the university, and maybe 10 out of the 18 or 12 out of the 18 students in the class uh, were able to come and we did an outdoor concert, and they wore masks. They were super safe. And we uh, put it on live stream. Uh, and so, you know, and they did a lot of really weird creative things in the class. I had one student um, do an acapella version of Here Comes the Sun, and she she did all these low parts and high parts and clapping and everything with her voice and, wow. you know, put on a flower crown and a yellow dress and, you know, took wow. videos of herself doing all the parts and made this really great video. So, I mean, <laughs> that's not something that would have happened in quarantine. The cover charge record would not have happened, in, you know, without quarantine. So, so there are opportunities, I think, um, that the pandemic has made available. Uh, I do think that once people are vaccinated and um, mask rules are more inculcated into the culture, uh, that we will have live music. Maybe much more of it will be outside. That's fine. That works. Yes, good. Um, and so, you know, I think... I don't have any doubt we're going to return to live music. Right. Maybe it's going to be somewhat different, but it's so important to human life. I just think, you know, as I said, people already doing things like our forest theater gig. Um, so I think we'll 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 figure out a way to do it. And I loved Libby's attitude actually to go back to somebody in her generation. I said, you guys must be bummed. You have your rounder record release. It's a beautiful <laughs> record. And, you know, it's right when the pandemic hit. She goes, right. yeah, it's a shame that these songs won't have lived their life on the road when we get to the next record. So she's just thinking about it as a temporary setback for whatever, you know, music gets made now. And, you know, like I know, for example, that Steve Earle um, 
who's a friend, you know, Will played in his band forever. You know, he had that terrible tragedy where his son died. Right. But he he flew the band out <clears throat> to to make JT in New York, and um, people did it safely. And so so music is still happening, and you know, right. tours are being organized. And yeah, I think we'll return to to people are. It's, I think it's looking much more positive. So it's just a matter of waiting it out, right? Right. We're going to have fun during this thing because mm-hmm. you're going to have fun. That's the whole mm-hmm. point. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. And so anyway, it's so fun to talk to you. And again, tell me about the names of the projects and tell me where they can find them. Okay. So the first one is this um, single that I made with the wonderful Ken Stringfellow. You should right. definitely, I'm tuning into your podcast with Ken. Oh, I, yeah. love, oh, I love Ken. He's great <laughs> and such a sweetheart. And just, oh my goodness, he's such a wonderful musician, such a right. wonderful singer. Um, right. He kind of made me up my game on this version of Christmas. So uh-huh. you can find, uh, you can find the single, you could probably just search it on YouTube, Florence Dorr and Ken Stringfellow Christmas. Right. But if you want to go to florencedoormusic.com, that you can click on the links there, both to the Ken Stringfellow and Florence video, but also to my Indiegogo, where you can actually get the single. Right. And Indiegogo is just a, it's a campaign that we're running to um, raise funds to finish the record um, as we've koozies. been doing it. Let's just say that. And buy koozies and <laughs> You can get koozies, you can get caps, you can get beanies, and John Langford t-shirts. Oh, yeah. So, and pre-order the record. You can also, there's a nerd package. Really? Uh, yeah, which includes my book, and I'll sign it for you. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I hope your listeners will consider joining in. You can yeah. also become, just go like me on Florence Store Music on Facebook. That's another way. Twitter is another way to find me. Instagram, just so go to any of those accounts. This twenty first met. Isn't that funny? Well, all this <laughs> stuff, man. Exactly. Can you imagine? You know, like th- that—that is kind of a blessing. The uh, you know the the social media world has right. really enabled continued connection. I think about we have a teenager yeah. in the house. And I know you have some kids too, right? It's, I certainly do, yes. Yeah, how how they've managed to keep going to school. I mean, just right. what would it what would it have been like when we were kids if this exactly. was struck? There'd be there'd Crazy. be no school. <laughs> yeah, so it's been really quite something that we were able to do as much as we are. Right. It's so fun to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Dale. It's great to talk to you, as always. DaleWileyShow.com.